Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. God is doing incredible things in Tampa. Learn more about us at horizontampabay.com. We hope you find today's message inspiring and encouraging. Let's dive in. Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. It's great to have you in worship with us today. If this is your first time with us, uh, we are just overjoyed that you have chosen to spend your Sunday morning here with us. And I want to give you a special welcome. Uh, as Erica mentioned earlier, um, this week was 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 rough for us. Um, before moving here to, to start Horizon, we lived for seven years in, in Middle Tennessee in Nashville, and to wake up Tuesday morning was was a was a quite a shock. My my alarm went off on my phone at at 4:45. Um, I was going to get up and pray and, and do our, our daily devotional, and uh, Erica immediately woke up when I when I was like, Erica, you you have to look at my phone, and it, it was just shocking because it literally was. The three places we lived and we worked in, in, in Tennessee, in East Nashville, in Mount Juliet, and in Putnam County were some of the hardest and most affected areas. Um, and so this morning, I, I just wanted to, this picture was on the national news, um, and I just wanted to share a little bit about my week. Um, so this is literally, uh, these are, these are, was a picture A took by one of my friends that was used on the national news, and Mike has one of the coolest jobs in the world, um, and it puts him in situations like this. Um, he literally travels the world and takes pictures for the church to capture ministry happening, and so this, in the middle here is, is a friend of ours named Judy, and she pastors uh, Easton United Methodist Church, which is in the heart of, of Five Points in East Nashville, which is kind of the cool, hip, trendy area. It's where Eric and I lived, and uh, we enjoy not having kids at this point in our lives, um, and it was a beautiful, she pastors a beautiful church that's been vibrant and growing, and at, the building's over 100 years old. And just three weeks ago, they had re-done uh, all of the stained glass windows in their church, and they're all blown out this morning. And uh, just in about another hour, they'll worship at, at 10.30 Central Time in the field next to their church that's now blown out. And so this morning, I just wanted to, this, this has been something heavy. Uh, Will, who's carrying something, was actually one of my youth volunteers at another church that I worked at. Um, and, he, and she's been comforted by um, Bill, who's another pastor in Tennessee. And so these were, these were our friends this week. And so this has been a tough week for Eric and I. And so I just want to offer a prayer for, for those churches um, and those people that are, that are gathering in strange places or uh, without a home this morning and, and wondering where hope is. And so let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come this morning and we ask that, that your peace that, that passes all understanding would surround those that are hopeless this morning, that are hurting, that are lost. God, that that, that peace would just overwhelm them. We pray for, for Judy as she leads Easton. We pray for those that have lost loved ones, that lost homes. Provide them comfort in the days to come. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you, if you are interested and you've been, uh, if this has also been tearing you up this week, we're, we're part of a connection of churches um, and that send disaster relief teams into places like, um, like Nashville and Putnam County. 
that send teams into the panhandle when uh, hurricanes come, uh, would send teams here if we were affected as well. And so if you're interested in, in donating to part of that, um, you can simply use the same uh, text number that we text all our donations to, uh, 84321. If you just want to text any dollar amount and you just text Nashville right after that number, um, it'll go straight to that and we'll, we'll donate it to the recovery uh, effort there in Nashville. And so. Um, I just wanted to share that as we got started this morning. We're in the middle of a, of a series called Less, or Less is More. And we're now entering week two of this series. And I wanted to, to share a story uh, about some of the, the vacations that Erica has, has planned for our family. Uh, she's the vacation planner because she always has to, to be on the move and going. And so the last two years we've uh, done, with two years ago we went to, to Washington DC area and we, we did some hiking in the Shenandoah Mountains. And I have to completely admit that uh, I have a little bit of fear of heights, um, but we spent most of the time in the car, which is kind of looking off the, the vistas. Uh, but we did go hiking a few times with the kids and when you have two small children, this was definitely the way to do it. Um, they were both in these like backpack things and so they couldn't just like run off a mountain because that would be my biggest fear is like as a person that already has a little bit of fear of heights that now I'm like going to the edge to save my child from going over the edge like right here as I'm about to go. <laughs> and so, you know, the next year, this past fall, we uh, wanted to do something outdoors with the kids again, or Erica did at least. And so she planned uh, uh, <laughs> a, a trip, a uh, trip, uh, a short trip to, to Mayaka River State Park, uh, just a, an hour or so south of here. And I'm like, good, it's Florida, it's flat, there's just like swamps and alligators. I can deal with that, it's a lot better than heights. And so, Erica tells me about this great canopy walk that you can go out on and you can see all these animals and birds and you're like, above the trees? Wait, we're in Florida, I don't want that. We've got two small children. And so this was the, uh, you can go to the next slide. This is the only picture I could find because I didn't take any pictures at the top of here. I only took one at the bottom, right? But imagine climbing up this huge tower with a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and now you're walking across like, I mean, it's not quite a road bridge, but it feels like that, right? When you're walking across there with two and three-year-olds. And yeah, like the fence is high, but I'm like nervous now myself. I'm holding a kid that's trying to like sprint across it. I'm not really sure where he's going, but I don't want to sprint across this. I'm filled with fear. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. And I'm tense. And why am I tense? Why am I fearful of, of falling? Is Because there's a thing called gravity, right? It's not, it's not the falling itself. It's that the, the gravity is going to carry me down to the ground and splat. And there's this, this same thing, I think, in our, in our spiritual lives as well. When things have mass and they carry weight, they pull us in different directions. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story uh, also from the Gospel of Luke, from Luke chapter 18. If you have your, your Bibles with you, or if you have uh, it on your phone on the Bible app, go ahead and pull that out. I invite you. It'll also be on the screen here. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 18, uh, starting also at, at verse 18. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. 
You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. So everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. If you've uh, been around the church, if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard some interpretations of this story. Um, one of the interpretations is, is, is this is a story about really how, how committed are you to following after Jesus? Or it's a story about how we relate to the poor. Or it's a story about if you really want to follow Jesus, you've got to make some big sacrifices. And, and I think all of those interpretations can be true. Uh, today, I want to focus on that this story is really about that spiritual gravity, the things that, that pull us in other directions, that, that keep us bound down when we want to follow after Jesus. Just like falling down would go splat on the ground. There are things in our lives that, that pull us, that pull us in different directions. And so I, I, I went to uh, NASA to make sure that I was on the right track with my gravity situation. And so if you take 100 pounds, you get a, a quite a different reading when you have different masses of different planets. So like 100 pounds on the moon is only 17. So when the moon, even though it seems really big to us, is much smaller, it has much less mass, it pulls on us much less. But then if you were going to take that same 100 pounds to Jupiter, it's 253 pounds. Something with so much mass pulls would pull 100 pounds and make it weigh even more. And so we have this story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, we know two things about him. Is, and, and other versions that's told in other gospels, we're told that he's young. So I just even added that right now. He's young. The second thing that we know about him is we, we know that he's rich. But what we don't often understand in, in biblical times, in this story here, for him to be rich most often meant that he just had what he needed. Because most people didn't have what they need on a day-to-day -day basis. Because when, when I hear rich, when I read rich in the scriptures, I, want, I immediately go to, to Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. This is like ultra-rich. But for him to be rich in, in the biblical times just meant that he had what he needed. He might have been a landowner. That would be the most often how people actually were able to be rich, to have what they needed, is that they owned land. They owned land. They would have inherited it most likely from their family. And then the land then was rented out for other people to farm part of that land. And that's how he had what he needed. He, he had what he needed. And when he comes to Jesus, most often we, we think of people, when they come to Jesus, they want to get Jesus in a trap. They ask Jesus a question because they have some sort of motive behind it, that they want to get him to say a certain thing so that they can run off and tell Jesus, tell on Jesus that he said something to them that would get him in trouble. But I believe when this ruler comes to Jesus, when this rich ruler comes to Jesus, he's being sincere. He says, good teacher, I've got a question for you. Good teacher, I've got a question. 
He wants to learn. He wants to listen to Jesus' answer here. And the question that he asks is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And when we hear this question, my mind immediately goes to, what must I do to, to walk through the pearly gates, right? Is that where yours went as well? What I think he's really asking, though, is, what must I do to, to live a life that matters, right? What must I do to live a life that actually has purpose? What must I do to live a life that's making a difference in the world, that makes a difference to my own soul? What must I do? And then, this, uh, this week as I studied this, I, I realized that this guy, we are this guy, right? How many of us sincerely come to Jesus because we want to learn, we want to listen, we want to follow after, right? And when we ask this question, what must I do to have a life that, that has purpose, that matters, and I, like this guy, I have what I need in life. I found myself saying, this was me. This is me asking this question. And what does Jesus do? Jesus has compassion on them, right? He answers, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, you know, do all these things that you've been commanded, right? You've heard the commandments. And, and the man, the ruler answers him, well, I've done all these things since I was a boy. I've, I've been doing all the right things. I, I checked all the boxes. I went to church. I read my Bible. I showed up week after week. But yet I still don't have a life that matters. I still don't have a life with purpose. Jesus, there's got to be something more. What is it? And Jesus looks at him, and he says, there, you're right. There is one thing. There's one thing that's holding you back. There's one thing. And it's your stuff. Your stuff is holding your back. He simply has too much stuff. He's got too much stuff in his life that he couldn't do it. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus tells him, well, sell everything. Sell everything you have. You want to follow me? I want you to follow me. So just sell it. Sell your stuff. And we get to this spot, and I think we, we oftentimes, we spend too much time trying to, to, to analyze this, this part of the story. We get to this spot, and we're like, well, is, is he really being literal here? I don't, oh, I don't like this, Jesus. Or maybe he's talking like figurative, like this is like a metaphor, like sell all your stuff. I'm not really even sure what the metaphor is, but I like the metaphorical understanding of this story a lot better, right? Sell all your stuff. But I, I don't really want us to focus so much on that today. I think that's something we do need to wrestle with. Like that's a, selling all our stuff in a literal sense is, a, is a, a genuine and a real response to this story. But I think if, if we get... When we stop there, we lose the fact that Jesus is just saying, your stuff is pulling you away. That's the one thing that's keeping you from following me right now. That's the one thing. Jesus wants him to follow. The man wants to follow after Jesus. And what's the one thing that's holding him up? His stuff, right? His stuff. His stuff is holding him up. Because his stuff has a greater pull. It has a greater mass than Jesus. 
It's got a greater gravity on his life. And that's the myth that we live in, right? We looked at this a little bit last week when we were in, in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, the story that Jesus tells, the man imagines this great life that he's going to live. He's, gonna, he's got all this food he needs to store. He's got all these grains. And so he's going to build a bigger barn. And then once he gets the bigger barn, right, what does he do? He's going to sit back in the rocking chair with a drink in his hand and live a happy life then, right? Because he has no cares in the world. And we often live in this myth that once we get more stuff, once we get that next thing, we're going to be more free. And then once we become more free, we're, we're actually going to do the things that, that, that God has called us to at that point, right? Once we get to that next thing, once we get that next place, that next home, that next car. But the truth is, from this story, we understand that the more stuff we have, the more tied down we are. The more stings that the ruler had, the harder it was to follow Jesus. And so there's three truths from this story that I, I want us to focus on. And the, the first one is that our possessions steal our energy. Our possessions steal our energy. I want you to think with me about the, the trajectory of your life. Right? At some point, you, you were like, I'm going to finish school whether it's high school or college, and then at that point I'm going to get a job. And when I start getting a little money, I'm going to get a place of my own. I might, get, I might rent an apartment. I'm going to get a car. And at this point, the car is just like what my friend that sells used cars calls a, an AB car. It's just going to get you from point A to point B, right? It's about the utilitarianness of having a transportation at this point, right? And you got that A to B car. You got a place of your own. But then you start getting a better job, right? And we... We start also, as soon as we get a job, we also start thinking about the next job. As soon as we get the car, we start thinking about the next car. And then we start thinking about, man, it'd be great to own a place of our own, that we're not paying rent for someone else. And that's the trajectory of how our life goes oftentimes. And what does all that require? To get those next steps requires more money. And how do we get more money? Oh, we've got to work. So we either got to get a better job that pays more, or we've got to work more hours. And before we know it, that trajectory of life has taken all of our energy, has taken all of our focus, and it, steal, it's, it steals the best years of our life so often. Because it's always about the next thing. It's about the next thing that's going to feed our thirst for more. What would it take to imagine our lives live differently? Live differently where our possessions don't steal from us, but give us energy. The second spiritual truth I think we can find from this story is that our possessions steal our margin. So what is margin? Margin, uh, for me, is most often remembered as that, that area around a, a, a document. If you're in like a word processor, uh, maybe this was just me, but in college, you would have a one-inch margin when you would type up your, your like, 20-page papers. But if you were kind of short on words, you could maybe add, like, a tenth of an inch all the way, like, around it. Maybe they wouldn't notice, and you could add, like, an extra page. Is that space on the outside edges. The margin in our life 
is so often stolen by our possessions, right? Because the average middle-aged person has $130,000 worth of debt between their mortgage, their cars, their school, and their credit cards. Any space on the edges of their life now are, are eaten up by living in debt. Because when we get that better job, what do we do? We, we leverage that better job to buy more stuff, right? We take away all the margin in our life so that instead of ever being free, we just simply get more. There's not a single one of us in this room that, that wouldn't say we want to be generous, right? But it's our stuff that ties us down, that binds us to stop being free. So what would it look like to stop spending, to stop being in debt? And that's why we as a church have offered financial classes. If this is something you need, shoot me an email today, this week, and we would love to get you connected. Chris at HorizonTampaBay.com. If, if spending and in debt is something that's holding you back from being generous with God, from being free, contact me. This is something that we care about as a church. And the third spiritual truth I think we can find from the story of the rich ruler is that our possessions steal our time. They steal our time. Because when we buy more stuff, this stuff, let's be honest, they're like adult toys oftentimes. We get the new car, we get a boat, we get a motorcycle, we get um, some sort of off-road something or the vacation home the beach condo, the vacation home up in North Carolina, right? We have all these things, and I, I do this so often. Once you get it, what do you have to do with it? You got to use it, right? Or you start feeling guilty like, oh, I wasted all that money. So we don't want to feel like that. So then we start using it. So we, we take the boat out. We, we spend more time at the, the vacation house. And we start doing all these things just because we feel like we, we owe it to that thing because we bought it, Right? We bought it, and we want to we wanna invest now our time as well into that thing. And it begins to pull us. It pulls us away the things that, that really matter in our life, right? Can that money that we use to buy more things that now is taking our time be used in a different way? Could it be used in a way that actually brings that life that matters, brings that life that has meaning, And so our possessions, they, they create more worry, more fear, more anxiety, more stress in our lives. And honestly, if you're anything like my wife Erica, that just means you also have more things to keep up with, and you're going to lose things, and that's going to create more stress and fear in your life as well. And we have more and more of those possessions. We have less energy, we've got less time, and we've got less margin to respond to God's call in our life. This week also reminded me of a person or a couple that I, I knew up in Nashville. Uh, Bill and Mary Ruth were uh, volunteers with, with a group called the Nashville Food Project. And the Nashville Food Project in, in Nashville went out um, in food trucks and they delivered cooked, prepared meals for areas that were considered food deserts. So they weren't close to a Publix or a Whole Foods. Um, and oftentimes these communities didn't actually have even access to, to kitchen, kitchen 
things because they, they were oftentimes people that were living um, in like weekly motels that they would take these food trucks to get wholesome meals too. It's a, an awesome ministry. And Bill saw them work you know, week after week, and they would oftentimes just, like, they would glean stuff from the local grocery stores that was, you know, a day past that they would just donate. And so Bill was like, I want to do something more. And so he convinced his wife, Mary Ruth, to take this plunge with him. They had to create the space in their lives. So Mary Ruth quit her job, actually. They sold their home in Nashville, and they moved to this awesome town called Bon Aqua, right? That's got to be a great town. And they put together a farm, a farm. Bill had no idea what he was doing. They bought a tractor and they started plowing up the land to grow food for the National Food Project, to become the farm for the National Food Project. And that first summer, Bill grew 700 pounds of tomatoes and corn, of kale and Brussels sprouts and potatoes. He grew 700 pounds of food, but it took him creating the space in his life, redirecting some energy in his own life to be able to have that flexibility to do something that God was placed on his heart to do, to respond to that call. And this is still a working project for Bill and Mary Ruth. They, they, they see themselves as creating a place for those that have been recently incarcerated to get job training eventually as a place of healing. Because it was a digging in the dirt for Bill was, was healing for him. It was healing from the need to have more in his life. And so he wants to share that with others. And so that's something they're still working on of how do you, you take this and really live into that, that less is more. And so at the end of our story today in Luke, the man walks away sad. He walks away sad because his stuff just simply got in the way of the life that he wanted for himself even. He walks away. He wanted to fall after Jesus, but his stuff got in the way. So let us pray. God of grace, we come this morning. We confess that there are so many things in our lives that, that pull us from you. Whether that's the next vacation, the next job, whether it's our cars or our house. God, we confess that they are a distraction. God, give us the wisdom this morning to see how we can take a step. Take a step to letting go of those possessions so that we can have more time, more energy, more space in our lives for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Church Podcast. If you are in the Tampa area, consider joining us one Sunday. You can also be a part of Shining Light and Igniting Change by financially supporting the ministries of Horizon Church at horizontampabay.com giving. Thank you again for joining us.